Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Today's deep dive into Loki is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, CuffLinks.com. Ladies and gentlemen, the world is opening up again. And when you step outside the door in the morning, you want to look sharp. You want to look good. And you can do that at CuffLinks.com. They have all the greatest brands that you're used to, plus... The super geeky stuff, which is why they advertise with us. You can get Marvel, DC, Game of Thrones, sports. Oh my gosh, so many things to choose from. Cufflinks.com is the men's looking good store. That's right, I called it. It's the looking good store. Go over to cufflinks.com slash DVR today. Use code DVR20 and save 20% on your order. No minimum. Cufflinks.com. Support the podcast. A great family-owned business. They made it through the COVID, baby, and so did we. And we're back together to celebrate. So head over to cufflinks.com slash DVR today. Use code DVR20 and check out their splash page because they are always running amazing sales. Cufflinks.com. Welcome back to One Mike. The Delving Cox Experience and Daily DVR's Deep Dive into Loki. Today we're going to be talking about Season 1, Episode 4, entitled The Nexus Event. Directed again by Kate Heron and written this time by Eric Martin, who is a Rick and Morty and community alum, just mm. like the showrunner Michael Waldron. Yep, so I think he's kind of... I don't know. I'm really impressed by the way they are bringing people up on these shows. You know, every time I do this in the beginning and talk about who directed and who wrote it and I look into the episode, I find out that they're, you know, it's some friend they worked on something else with. Or the, and I like that. I think that that's, I mean, having worked in the industry, I know that's the way things happen. Uh, you know, it's like our friend Heath Solo always says, when you go to an audition as an actor, you're not going just to get the part. You're going to be seen by the casting people because those casting people are going to remember you for every other show that they're working on. Uh, so I think that's kind of cool when you see people coming up like that. Uh, whether you are watching us on the YouTube or listening to the podcast, please do leave a like, subscribe, write us a review. Also, check out Mike's Instant Reaction on the One Mike channel. I am Axel. You can find out more about my pods at DVRpodcast.com. And, of course, with me are Delvin and Mike. I'm going to say hello to Delvin first this week. What up, Delvin? Hey, what's up, man? How you doing, man? This has been a fun ride thus far. Yes, it has. And I want to say we were talking about this week on your podcast, you had a very special guest who, who sang a very special song to all of us. Why don't you tell us just a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, I fulfilled one of my childhood podcasting dreams in terms of 
I interviewed Stan Bush on nice. the podcast. And if you know who Stan Bush is, he wrote the song You Got the Touch from the 86 Transformers the movie. And I think it was in Boogie Nights as well. Yes. That is for me. Now, look, I have to admit something to you here, okay? For me, this this is more about the Boogie Nights connection than it is the Transformers (laughs) connection, man. I was like, that is the fact that Paul Thomas Anderson had Mark Wahlberg writing and singing that song in Boogie Nights. And why it was so crazy i loved it and and stan bush tells a story about him actually meeting up with mark Wahlberg and singing the song together oh on the, on wow the, on podcast it was pretty cool that is awesome man well everybody go out there subscribe to the delvin cox experience so you can listen to that that is awesome man congratulations thank you and uh, of course mike how you doing buddy well, how do I follow that up? I haven't yeah. had, fucking, yeah. I haven't had any fucking celebrities guess? on my podcast, <laughs> let alone someone affiliated with Transformers, the movie. <laughs> but um, no, I'm doing good, man. I'm ready to talk about this episode. I think this show is just getting kind of better and better. Uh, my hat's off to uh, Kate Heron. I think she's doing an incredible job directing this show. Like, this is probably the best of the three shows um, from a, a, a visual perspective. Like, and... and it, it, from multiple perspectives, but specifically from uh, a visual perspective. And I'm, I'm really liking what I'm seeing from her. So like my hat's off to her. Cause I feel like each of these episodes uh, is better and better. And, and every week I expect you to say that somebody different did it <laughs> and like, Nope, it's the same person. She's just on a roll. Yeah. So yeah, they did a Good great stuff. job. You're right, man. And I, I especially, I was going to say just the shot of lamentous, the other planet or whatever it is, asteroid crashing into it, the CGI, the way that they mix that too with such a soft shot of Loki and Sylvie just sitting there together talking. So good. Yeah, it was really beautiful. And I mean, not to mention all the stuff inside the TVA and gosh, man, even the way the timekeepers look like some chunky cheese ripoff, like, are you here to talk to us? Like, it was so weird. Oh, since you brought it up, when I when I watched an episode with my son, I looked at, I, I, it was funny because me and him kind of said at the same time, like, they look a little off. And in the show where we've been getting, like, Spot on CGI. The fact that they looked off kind of alerted me like something's up here. Yeah. You know what? Speaking of Transformers, the movie, they remind me of the the thing that had the, yeah, yeah, that had the multiple <laughs> heads and shit that was spinning. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, the Quintessons. Yeah. I thought yeah. the same thing. That's but yeah, awesome. I, I, real quick, I really, I, I don't remember if I mentioned it on my initial reaction, but I, I know I put it in my notes, that specific shot with them sitting there. And the planet crashing into Lamentis, I was like, "This is that." I like, "This is an incredible shot." Like, and <laughs> what what is really cool about that is, at the end of the day, we are still watching a television show, and that shot was compa- like on par with like the fucking like panel fucking shot they did in Endgame, where like Thanos is on one end and Cap's on the other end of the screen, and it yeah. looks like a fucking comic book panel and i'm just like it's one of my favorite shots of the entire uh infinity saga 
uh, a couple of them happen in that final sequence in Endgame. And, like, this was on par with that. And, and I'm sitting here like, I'm watching a fucking television show right now. And it's giving me stuff that's on par with Endgame. Yeah. Like, yep. really good stuff. It, it definitely was, man. This whole episode. And you know what? The truth is, too, though, this particular show has had the opportunity to move around and be, um, you know, in different planets, of course, but inside the TVA at a, at a Renaissance fair, it really has had more of an opportunity to kind of spread its wings. Um, and because it has that kind of, I don't know any other way to call it, but like acid, Marvel acid vibe. I always think about that. I remember when I was like in college or so a little bit after and started reading more about the origins of comics and that all these guys were basically like hanging out in Manhattan, tripping on acid. And this is when they were writing all this stuff, like all this stuff that involves the Titans and the time travel, like all this kind of stuff. These guys were just like probably going to see like crazy bands in the village and then getting on a subway, tripping out and inventing all this stuff and then going to the Marvel offices, you know? So there's like a bit of kind of, I don't know, there's like a bit of psychedelic American history for me whenever they yeah. get into this space weirdness. Um and they're really capturing it well and selling it to our kids, which we have to love because <laughs> I want my kid to be psychedelic, man. Um, <laughs> I dig it. Uh, I want to give a shout out on the Facebook. Matt Stone writes, loved it. My favorite episode to date. I'm thinking that Sylvie might be another variant from Asgard, though. And I wanted to bring that up because one of the early things we see in the show is kind of Sylvie's backstory, right? And we see when Ravona is the one who uh, captures her, takes her away, kidnaps her. But Sylvie's only a little kid. She yeah. has not, unlike Loki, who committed some kind of time act, right? And then is taken by the TVA. Sylvie's just sitting there playing, like Mike said, with her Game of Thrones toys and the next thing you know, she's stolen away. She's minority reported. Yeah. That, <laughs> thank you. That's what I wanted to say. What do you all think about that? Like, what are some thoughts that you had with us finding out how young she was? Obviously, Mike, you talked about the Ravona age thing where it doesn't matter because they live outside the time stream. You know, mm -hmm. theoretically, the TVA could have only existed for a week. Right? Because all these people have had time manipulated so much. So, but anyway, what do you, Delvin, what did you think when we saw her in such a, a, a it looked just like Asgard, like it was, but it's supposed to be different, but it looks kind of the same. I don't know. What did you think? I, I found the whole, that whole scene interesting because, like, one, you see a younger Ravona who's kind of, you can, see, you can tell she's kind of just getting the TBA. She, so so when she gets this variant of Loki and essentially fails to capture this Loki and cause this variant to escape, it, you can see 
the seeds of why she has this hostility and why she's so dead set on catching and taking care of this particular Loki because that is as long as that Loki's around, that is a sign of her failure. True. I, I, I found that interesting. I found the aspect of they, they took a kid. <laughs> like, it, it, it's kind of horrible when you look at it in all aspects of it that they took a kid from their home who didn't know better. We didn't even know what the child did, really. That could cause this. Yeah, yeah, that could cause this much of a commotion and diversion. And this and it has to be terrifying for a kid. Almost reminded me of how in Guardians of the Galaxy, how they how the Ravagers picked up Star Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good point. And that that's good. The only difference is the Ravagers kind of took Star Lord and had as his own, whereas the TVA was going to essentially kill this child. Yeah. yeah. Either yeah. way, they were. You're right. They were like waylaid by intergalactic time <laughs> you know, like there's something different that's a that's good that's great you wonder you know what they plant little seeds like that and you wonder if in four movies from now they're gonna meet you know what i mean and they're gonna have a quick conversation and then everyone in that movie theaters could be like see delvin knew what the fuck was up <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna have a little twinge and then you know someone will get jealous because i don't know i think this actress, the character of Sylvie, has got to stay in the MCU. This is got. This is a character that's going to go past this show because she's great. She is just taking over the screen, and especially in this episode, I just was thinking like this is really only just her second episode. I feel like I've known this character as long as I've known Loki. She's, Damn, that's a good ass point. Yeah, she yeah. has so like. Um, confidently taken hold of this show and this character it's just really wonderful but that's yeah that's a good point man they're kids and what you said mike about the um minority reported her well in a sense they know what the future is right so is that what they were doing well i i i said minority reported her because i was working under the assumption that since she was a kid she had not anything yet yeah i agree but that could but that might not be the case. She might have already done whatever. Like she asked, what is my Nexus event? She might have already done it. But since she was a kid, she didn't know. So like it wasn't, necess- it, it wasn't necessarily, I don't think, a preemptive let's prevent this. It could be, but I don't think it was necessarily that. It could have, she, could have been something she did as a kid that we don't know about that's going to get revealed later. Because they purposely not revealed whatever it was that caused her to be captured. So yeah. yes, I did say Minority reported, but that could be it. That might not be it. I, I don't know. But that was my, that was my thought. Um, after I came to the conclusion that I was probably tripping on the fact that she hadn't aged at all. So I was like, Oh, cause the, I literally came to that realization while I was talking. Like that wasn't something that like, I that was great, before, dude. That was like, like great moments. Was yeah. What was that? I was saying that was like great moments in YouTube. Where you're, <laughs> right, yeah, I'm like I'm like, man, you're like what? Yeah, oh wait, no, she's out working outside the time strip. Yeah, and but, I was um, thinking of the same thing too while I while I was listening to it, and and I was like, as soon as you said it, I was like, yeah, of course she could, because this is like one of those crazy things where when you're involved with time travel, where or I mean similarly. In a, in a different but same way when you have like interstellar travel where time happens at a different rate. So 
like I'm saying, conceivably the TVA, and you mentioned this earlier, and I'm just, my mind's working, so I'm going to go with it, fellas. You mentioned the blip, and I keep on thinking, is that, like, I just don't think that this TVA is an ancient thing. I really think that it's like a newer invention, like someone found a way to fuck with time, maybe since the blip, maybe it had to do with it in some way. And now they, uh, they kind of grabbed all these people up and made them and put them into forced labor and erased their minds and everything. And like I say, she did look a bit younger, but then again, it's hard to tell because she is 38 years old and she looks like she's 21. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's hard to tell because she, you know. She's gorgeous. And then also, I'm sorry, go ahead, Axel. No, that's it. That's all I was saying. You know, we just don't know. And I was going to say, and also with the, with the nature of what the TVA does for us, that's a moment that, uh, I guess like if we're looking at time in a linear fashion, like we do, like that could be, let's say Sylvie's 30, like that could have been 24. Like from our perspective, Ramona did that 24 years ago, but from the show's perspective, Ravona could have done it 24 minutes ago. Yes, thank you. Go into any point yes. of time. So, yeah. like, yeah. of course, she's gonna look the fucking same. Like, yep. she could she could have done that. Like, like maybe this next, like, talking about minority reporting, maybe that is something that she did in response to everything that's going on now. Nice. And it's like, thank you know you. what? Like, kind of like yep. you know, the, let's go back and kill Hitler as a baby kind of deal. Yeah. Like, like it could be something like that. Totally. So, yeah, never gonna that, that that, that's where they kind of <laughs> that's where they kind of have us by. I was going to say the balls, but I couldn't I couldn't come up with something that made sense with the show. I don't know. I was going to say like <laughs> by the lo, by the scepter or something. I don't know which they they just like the they can do that whenever they want, because once you introduce time travel, nothing, you know, like I'm saying in the second for us, it could be an eternity for someone else. You know, like someone blips in and out and they're like, what happened? And, and you, and then they're like, I had a wife and a family and a kid and I just came back a second after I left. You just don't know. Um, but I do find it fascinating. But also like Matt says, it, I just found it weird. Like it looked, they keep on talking about variants and differences and they show us like different weird Lokis, but that looked exactly like Asgard. That did yeah. not look like some weird variant of Asgard, you know, like mm-hmm. there was that weirdness with Thor and Loki's sister, which is took up the movie Ragnarok. Right. And she was like a hidden sister. So I'm thinking is Sylvie possibly actually from the same timeline universe as Loki and Thor. Maybe she's actually Thor's real other sister or something, or maybe it's, I don't know. I'm just trying to think of different ways they could go. Maybe I'm overthinking it. It, 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 You might be, you might not be, but like the only reason I, I, I thought about that briefly, but then I dismissed it because Sylvie relayed a different childhood than Loki. Like, Oh, I knew right away about, uh, about my my past and all true. this kind of shit. Oh, okay, and that's like, true. I didn't know shit. <laughs> so yeah. I feel like if 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 Sylvie existed in that time in the same timeline as our Loki up to that point, uh, she would have had the same childhood. Like, yo, yeah, we got the same Odin. <laughs> no. Yeah, interest. You never know, but I think you're right about that. Maybe it's just very similar. 
you know? Yeah, and I, I, think, I think it's just similar so that we would know once they cut to it, like, oh, shit, this is Asgard. And then see, like, oh, shit, this is a Sylvie flashback and not a Loki one. So, yeah. All right, cool. Um, all right, so let's let's head back to the beginning where we talked about this scene, which is basically Lamentus kind of exploding or this this uh, apocalypse happening. And once again, this just looked so amazing. And Mike, like you said, I don't know, the purple and blue and that nice colors. This works for me. <laughs> yeah. clear, clearly, it just works for me. You know, it's great colors, man. And it works for them, too, because that is a Marvel like thing. You know what I mean? They really do like to incorporate colors like that and the way that they just the way that they I call it. It is drawing, right? It's art. The way that they create their vision of the color spectrum of space is very close to the way that when you see NASA like do do the speculative colors of things um and it's but it's also reminds me of books when I was a kid that came out in the seventies and eighties of like the universe. You know, with the vivid kind of trippy psychedelic colors. Mm -hmm. And I just love the art design of that. It's just so beautiful. And um, they they have like a moment here and it becomes a uh, it becomes a nexus event. Right. That is how they're found. And they're eventually saved by the TVA and Mobius is how they they get off the planet but this becomes really the focus of the episode when i watched it the second time i couldn't believe that i had missed i just kind of it goes by you when you're watching that they mentioned it again and again and again and again and again that the nexus event is them basically falling in love in some way like their connection on that planet caused some crazy time slip and i thought that that was really interesting and it bill kava on the facebook page mentioned lost but it made me think of lost i always have to mention lost which is that is are we finding out that this whole series is really about like loki falling in love with himself <laughs> i think that's hilarious and i thought it was hilarious when mobius made that comment like what a fucking narcissist yeah like, but i i I don't know if it's about that, but I'm, I'm kind of trying to wrap my head around um, the concept of the TVA having full knowledge of how things are supposed to go. Taking Sylvie as a child and then all of the events that are presently taking place. Like, you know, we kind of look at what the TVA does as a we want to prevent things from going wrong. But what if they also are trying to... Uh, make things go right like yeah. like maybe they're trying to initiate this like the, the like create this situation but there's so many different angles that they could go that it's hard to kind of predict because on one hand it could be what i said about uh <clears throat> ravona is saying like oh the, you know all these things are going on now let me go back and grab her when she was a kid which would be kind of like a nefarious reasoning mm -hmm. but it could also be a thing where it's like let me grab this as a grab this one as a kid to facilitate what's happening 
yes. presently for us. Yeah. Presently. Yeah. I, I, I will say this, and I thought it was in- interesting. I thought when I saw the Nexus event occurring, and that's how they found him, I figured it was because those two were going to die. And they weren't supposed to die in that timeline. Oh, I like good job, Delvin. That is a v- nice. You're right. I thought it messed up the timeline. Yeah. It messed up the timeline because those two weren't supposed to die at that point. So that messed up that time. Anything they were supposed to do after that would not technically occur. That's that, how I looked at it. Mm, I like that. I like You're that. right. Because she was hiding in the apocalypses, but she always had a way out. So yeah. it, was, it wasn't going to cause a nexus event because anything she did was going to have no effect because she was going to leave or that, you know, and repeat and it the was cycle. To happen. Yes. Oh, that's a great. Oh, that's very interesting, Delvin, that it was not, in fact, them falling in love. It was the possibility of them dying at that point when they weren't Which supposed to. The timeline. Yeah, that's very and that's very plausible. That's a good one. That's a good one. There goes my oh, oh great the way to way to kill love, Delvin. <laughs> well, it could it could still be the love thing though, yeah. like because they they did True. frame it that way, like they were like touching hands or something like that, yeah. and, and then they have the scene later where it looks like Loki's about to confess his love. So like it could still be that, but I I I, I like what Delvin said. Not just you know I like it on the face of it, but I also like it for what that could potentially mean in the final two episodes if. One or one or both of them were to learn that that's how they were discovered, and that's why they created a nexus event. Because if you are Loki, and you realize that anytime, like we don't know what Sylvie's timeline or what her what it's supposed to look like, but we do know what Loki's is supposed to look like, and Loki knows what Loki's is supposed to look like. Yeah. He's like, I end at Thanos. Yeah. So does that kind of make him invincible? <laughs> Like, like he can't die prior to Thanos. So, I don't yeah, know. it's kind of it. Kind if any point in time he dies before that, that would automatically mess up the timeline. Mm-hmm. Theoretically, yeah. Well, I like it. I like it on that on that uh, angle as well. I'll tell you what. I think Mike and I was going to bring this up, but as you're talking about it, I have to say. I think it is the idea more so that we're seeing events played purposefully staged to play out in a certain way. The way you were just, I think that was the first way you described that this is happening on purpose to lead up to certain events. And what leads me to believe that is that. It is actually the time keep it comes from I believe it's Ravona tells Mobius that the timekeepers themselves requested that they want to see the variants killed in front of them like they that whole situation was set up higher than her, which leads me to believe that all the events that we see within that room, the expo- exposing the timekeepers, what happens to Loki, what happens to Sylvie, is all on purpose. Because why would they purposefully request them to be there? So it makes me think that everything else we're seeing is for the same purpose. So that's why, that's where I fall on that. I think most everything we saw in this episode 
was has al- has either already happened or this or this is the culmination of the like the avengers the one way that it could happen the right way yes that's what i was thinking yeah and i think you mentioned that before delvin i think like last week or so you were saying like maybe we're seeing the one somebody one of you did we're seeing the one way that things could happen right or something because yes. The love thing got me too is like, you're right. It could be that they were supposed to die there. But then also when Mobius and Loki have their conversation where Loki eventually tells him that all the TVA people are variants, which frankly I thought took a little bit of time. Like he was kind of trying to, he was yelling. He he usually yells everything right away. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> for once he kept his mouth shut so they could have a meaningful conversation but it was a little frustrating but yeah. Mobius even says to him I wrote it down he's like um, uh, he says uh, oh okay wait Mo- uh, he says it'll break reality that's the words he uses he says that if you two fall in love that would break reality so I feel like they kind of already know what's going to happen. You know what I mean? And that's a part of it. Now, I don't know what the end game is of it all, right? Why it's happening. But I kind of feel like like at least Loki falling in love with her. Because let me ask you too. Don't you think it's more so coming from his side? Yes. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit, yes. But I think still the feeling is mutual. I think the feeling is mutual. I think when we get to that part, we'll discuss it. But the further you get into the episode, you can kind of see signs that she feels the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree so, with that. I, I think agree. she. Yeah. I think she feels the same way. But I feel like outwardly and openly, it's mainly being facilitated by man Loki. Okay. Yes. Yeah, because yeah, you're right. Maybe it is like you see a kind of an arc where. In the very beginning, when they're on Lamentis, she kind of feel starts feeling as time moves on, because there is that wonderful shot of Ravona and then Sylvie and Loki and the soldiers just before they enter the Timekeepers, and it, they do seem very like united, you know. And like you said, there's a time where they like touch hands or something like that. I can't, I, I don't remember specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a good one, but uh, that stuff that's a, that's good stuff. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, so Ravona says that we, we have a whole thing. If you guys want to talk a little bit about Ravona and how she is basically whatever happened with her and Sylvie is causing her to, uh, who, who's Sasha Lane again? What's her name? Hunter C. Who's the one who gets kidnapped? C20. C20. Okay, right. How she is saying that C20, that lo- that Sylvie killed C20 and that everything is false about their about her memories and hiding that from Mobius. We get another scene with Mobius. The pen shows up again. There's a lot of things that we've seen before that they're repeating. Am I your favorite agent? You know, I wanted to throw out, um, is it possible that they were like lovers or boyfriend and girlfriend or something before or something? I think they almost certainly were. Okay. 
All right. Like, yeah, no, I think, I think like, I'm not going to go so far as to say, like, I think that's, I think that's what it is. But if that were to happen, I would not be the least bit surprised. Like, and, and, cause I, I feel like from, from, from Mobius's perspective, he definitely has a thing for her. Yeah. Like, I think that's, that's for sure. And, and real quick, I, I want to give Delvin an opportunity to talk about this, but real quick too, when Mobius, you said that Mobius said that uh, their, their relationship or something would break the timeline. Like, I feel like, um, or break reality or, or whatever. I feel like Mobius is still operating from a place that's just too low on the spectrum to have like an actual uh, okay. meaningful assessment of what's going on. So like, even though he said that, I don't think I buy it because I feel like whatever's actually happening is above Mobius's pay grade. It's above Ravona's pay grade, I believe. So I don't think Mobius is correct in that. He thinks he is, but I feel like he's probably, he's probably not in the know enough to, yeah. to have that to have that knowledge and be correct. Great point. Uh, and th- I'm sorry, I'm done. Del- <laughs> Del- <laughs> no, I think, I think, I think Mike's right on that. I feel like it's a, it's a, this episode did a lot in so little time in terms of exposition, the plot and things like that. And I feel like Ravona, they Ramona Mobius clearly had something because when, even when what happened to Mobius happened, you could tell she felt a way about it. She felt betrayed. She felt like truly hurt. So I I feel like there was something there. Maybe it was a relationship. Maybe they stopped the relationship because of their job. <laughs> but I feel like there's more there to that story. And I, I'm super interested to see if they go into that further, which I still think, even though what happened happened, it's still definitely a possibility. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think there's something going on there. And I started to feel a parallel between Mobius and Ravona and Sylvie and Loki. Yes. And uh, yeah, I'm just kind of feeling that out with, um, I don't know if it is a kind of like, call of duty as far as what Ravone is doing, like you're saying with jobs and if there's, and the way that the TVA is this retro future brutalist style, like this weird, like it just makes me feel like is it feels like a kind of enchantment of like, we're going to find out that all these people worked in the same office in Manhattan (laughs) You know what I mean? And that like like Mobius had a crush on Ravona and never told her or something. Like Yeah, at Franklin High School. Oh, th- yeah. there you <laughs> that could FDR be it. School, that sorry. could be it. You're totally right that she was a teacher and he was a teacher or like a principal mm-hmm. or something and you know like he was she was his favorite te- you know there's something Yep. There's something going on here that is feels like enchantment like something different and weird he um, crashed her wedding one time <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's possible too would it be crazy if like we just randomly see like vince vaughn is like a janitor in the tv or shit like that that'd be awesome oh my yeah, god it would that was awesome um so uh we have that stuff. We kind of talked about that. Let's let's talk a little. Oh, let's go back to that Mobius and Loki conversation because Loki finally does tell him that they're variants, 
And this leads us into eventually Mobius stealing um, the temp pad from uh, Ravona and figuring it out too. And also we, we have uh, the parallel of that, which is Hunter B-15 getting shown her past by Sylvie. So we have like, uh, as Bill mentioned on the Facebook page, a kind of lost season six, like awakening Spoiler alert! Where these people get awakened? I have not made it to season six. Oh, okay. You got to watch. Yeah, I'm, it. On, I'm on like I, I think my wife and I left off somewhere in three or four. All right, so I'm not going to say. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, so yeah I'm way behind. So anyway, it does happen. It's kind of a. I won't get more. I don't want to spoil. But um, <laughs> now you got me excited about Lost. But they kind of wake up, you know, and in turn use that power, that information to try to help Mobius, I mean, try to help Sylvie and Loki. And this is obviously a big turn in the show because these two people have, we've liked both of these characters, Mobius and Hunter B-15. And now they kind of both wake up. What did you guys think about their awakenings? And obviously with the Mobius Before one, there's a little- Before we get to that. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Ready. We forgot one important detail. What's that? The, the huge cameo and the huge thing with Loki. Oh, yeah. I was going to mention. I'm just kind of not going in order. But you, let's talk about that. If you want to jump to that, I just want to. I bet before, he does. Okay. That's right before this scene. <laughs> okay. True. So I think it makes sense. Also, one, I was right. Go I called it out <laughs> yeah. to the T. I said, if this show is going to do cameos, it's going to be somebody like from the Warriors through like Lady Sif and something you like that. You did say it. And I found it. It was 100% Lady Sif. And yep. I found it fascinating. The way they did it, because they alluded to Loki and her maybe having a thing, and Loki being the jerky that he is, cutting her hair, and him, him having to relive this moment over and over and over again. I found that fascinating because it made Loki have to sit there and come to the realization that he was a piece of shit, <laughs> and that that anytime he got close to finding love, he sabotaged it to the point where. He, it was it, in his mind. It was almost impossible for him to find love because he had the character Sif that we all love from the MCU and stuff like that. Constantly coming back in this time loop that he was kind of trapped into, telling him that you're not going to find love, and that probably hurt more, Loki more than anything you could possibly do to probably even killing him because he having to relive this moment of something. To us, it seems like a small thing because he, he cut her hair. But to him, it was somebody he actually cared about. He broke her heart playing a cruel joke because he wanted the attention. Yeah. And that was a pivotal moment in his life where she told him, like, no, you're never going to find happiness. You're never going to find love. You're a miserable person. So he had to constantly relive that heartbreak over and over and over again, I found that really fascinating and a horrible way to torture somebody. That's a great point. Especially though. when it ends up getting neat in the balls. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Good job. You were totally right. I thought that when she came out, I was like, yep, he was right. And I was also thinking um, she was also when they were making a big deal about agents of shield and they got to have crossovers didn't she pop up in agents of shield as well mm -hmm. yes she, she did 
because I remembered, I was like, wait, didn't she cameo in something else? And I was like, that's a weird cameo because the reason I thought it was a weird cameo is because she always looks totally different when she was in that show Blind Spot or some shit on NBC. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the still go- I think it's still going on. Where she look- Really? Yeah. Think- it's so wow. weird because in that show, she has all these crazy tattoos and she looks like she weighs about three pounds. But they they get they make her look so much bigger, mm-hmm. and it's just amazing the way that costumes and makeup and shit can make you look so much bigger. Because I'm always like, that's the same woman from that blind spotting or blind spot? No, blind spotting is the David. Yeah. Uh, what's that guy's name again? That's a movie. Yeah, that's a movie. I want to see that movie. Actually, they're making it into a show on stars. Um, Blind Spot ended last year, July. Okay, Blind Blind Spot. That's what it was called, right? And she was actually, that's why she wasn't in Thor Ragnarok. Yes. Because she was was making that that show. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, you're right. There's some great character stuff in this scene. And it is a great, again, they're doing great stuff here. A great parallel to him having kind of a budding relationship with Sylvie. Right. To be thrown yeah. back into, you know, he acted childishly. Right. And isn't it was such an interesting thing, too. It took me a second to understand what was going on, because whenever they show stuff like this, I'm always like, wait, is this from a movie? And I forgot it. You know what I mean? Like, am I forgetting an Easter egg here? Sometimes that messes me up. But then when I got it the second time I watched it, this episode, I was like, what a strangely interesting moment that he cut her hair right like um as a joke or as a prank but because he's so uh, he's so self-obsessed with what he'll what he'll gain from it that he doesn't realize how he could hurt her like that and especially to cut a woman's hair you know somebody that he cared about yeah it's a betrayal and then then, yeah i think that helps lead to the scene that we get to where he's sitting with Mobius realizing that he cares about Sylvie and doesn't want to lose her. Yeah. That's a good point. Hey, Mm -hmm. maybe that's why it takes him a little while to admit to him that they're a variant. Maybe he doesn't want to hurt Mobius in some way, you know, like he's being he's actually being sensitive. I hadn't considered that. Wow, I think this, this is a situation where he doesn't Loki has trouble telling the truth. Yeah. Especially when the truth doesn't telling the truth doesn't benefit him at all. And I think that scene where him and Mobius is talking, there's no benefit to Loki telling Mobius the whole truth that yeah, I care about this person. I don't want to see them hurt. So when Mobius kind of just throws out like, yeah, oh yeah, we killed her. It yeah. he could not hide that it affected him. Yep. True. It, and that's one of the few times where we saw Loki so vulnerable, the master of mischief couldn't hide his true feelings. It was just so out there. And, and I think that was a very fascinating scene. Even though us as the viewers saw that, we knew that that didn't happen. We knew, okay, he, he's BSing Loki. But Loki fell into it because he was so caught up in his emotions at that point because of the whole thing with Sith. And him coming out of that room and realizing, I care about this person who you guys have in custody. 
I don't want her to be hurt. And he's like, no, she's dead. Yeah. I think that was a fascinating way to do that scene. Yeah, that was. That was crazy. And again, it really did benefit me to watch this a second time because there is a lot of depth in this episode. And you're right. When he said that there was there – was, uh, Loki was devastated, you know? And yeah. I think – I, I like the way that you said is he it's like he can't help himself from being that trickster and hurting people and it's like a frustration with himself of it's that constant thing and I mean hey in a in a sense we've talked about how this whole series has provided a really great character analysis of this weird villain you know that everybody loves but really we're trying to find out how to love him in a sense. I feel like that's a, for us too, as an audience, they're like, okay, these are ways that you can care about this guy. Even though we've seen him cause such destruction uh, and kill so many people, you know, in the past, he has an opportunity here to capture our hearts and capture yeah. Sylvie's heart. You know what I mean? It's great I, stuff, man. It's great stuff. I want to add something. I think, the MCU has done a great job of telling us these stories about these characters that add so many more layers to them that we may not know about in terms of like Spider-Man Far From Home is an Iron Man story. It's about how essentially no matter what good Iron Man has done in society, a lot of things he's done destroy people's lives and cause essentially more villains like Mysterio. Yeah. Then you go to Captain Falcon and Winter Soldiers and how the legacy of Cap even though Cap was genuinely a good person and always tried to do the right thing because of that legacy that is and the things that the government did with that legacy it's marred in controversy in terms of like hey the government was a spirit of on black people trying to make their own Captain America yeah. another version of Captain America this Captain America couldn't be twisted to their will and the horrible things they did with that and the burden it takes to hold and carry that shield. Then you get to Loki and you have a character who we've known for a long time, generally a genuinely a bad person. And yes, he got his redemption in Endgame, not Endgame, I guess Infinity War per se, but he didn't do that to save mankind. He did that to save his brother. Right. This Loki was still an awful person. And now we're seeing kind of the redemption of that awful person and it's change, it's kind of bringing more light to how no Loki feels all the horrible things he's, he does he just doesn't know how to cope with it and I think it's fascinating that we're getting these character studies of these each of these characters in such a unique way yeah, I, I totally agree with that and I, I, I the more as the season progresses and the more we talk about it the more I feel like this uh, it seems more likely that this is all going to come around to what I was saying after like probably like episode one, where he's going to, the, the, the scene with Thanos in infinity war is going to be recontextualized. And we are going to see, we're going to learn or realize that the Loki that we saw in infinity war is, is doing what he's doing to achieve his glorious purpose based upon all, everything he's going to learn and experience throughout the course of this show. And it's not merely just a, I'm here to save my brother. I'm going to try to stop Thanos. Like, I feel like, like 
it's gonna we're gonna get a different context to that to that scene i'm hoping because i feel like that's the perfect way to kind of like tie everything together and kind of wrap it back around when we're seeing how much loki is growing and learning throughout this show and it's a based on time travel to have like a, a, a recontextualized way of looking at his his ending because that's i mean that's that's part of his hangup right is is making sure that he achieves his his glorious purpose before he dies he sees himself die like oh i didn't do shit that's how i die like i i feel like all of these events should kind of play out for loki in a way where that that end for him is going to have a different meaning than the way that we looked at it in 20 whatever the fuck 2018 i don't don't remember when it infinity war came out i think it was 2018 actually yeah i don't know 16 i think so i think it was 2018 i think that's a great point mike and i think in some ways it already has because Mm -hmm. we are able to see the uh i mean even though loki is not technically human the infiniteness of humanity right that he had within him this uh a not that even though delvin's right and in that case he did do that to for his brother he did kind of do it for humanity in a sense right like he is a, he has it within him to be a good person i'm not so sure that we're, it's going to end up in time travel sense to be that same person because I think they still want the character to exist. Maybe in 10 years it will, <laughs> right? Like when Hiddleston wants to not do this character anymore, they'll do a scene where he zaps back into that Loki or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you're right. I think it's cool. And hell, you know, again, I guess say they don't have to do this, right? Like I, ha- I always think to myself, they could just give us a bunch of shows where shit blow up. But they did. They let people write a show that has real characters and they try to go for real emotion and real development and they've accomplished it. And I think in the same way that we saw a um, a delving into what happens when trauma happens to you with WandaVision, we have a delve. We're delving into with Delvin. We're delving into um what happens when the person who committed the trauma, right? We're looking at the other side with Loki. He committed the, all this trauma and look, and we want to see a redemption with him. So I think it's cool. Um, and the, uh, the, the way that again, to kind of bring it back into where we're heading towards the end here, where both Mobius and, uh, and Hunter B 15 wake up, Hunter B-15 ends up being the big hero here and giving them the opportunity to take out the timekeepers. Mobius gets got by Ravona on under Ravona's orders, when which she finds out. Yeah. When she finds out what he knows, which now we know that Ravona. Oh, the question I want to ask you is I was going to say it, but I don't know if it's true. Did Ravona. Was she protecting this information and she knew what was going on the whole time and she knew about the timekeepers and everything? Or, I mean, we're going to find that out because Sylvie has her in the end, right? Or do you think that Ravona is just as clueless as everyone else and was doing this for her own purposes? I think 
she knew about the timekeepers. I think she knew or had an idea that something was up. But I also think that there is something out there that's a higher power that we have not seen yet. Yeah. Okay. Because I don't think this is a thing where Ravona did this with her own or anything like that. There's a higher power that is clearly controlling this for their own personal gain. And hopefully we'll see it in the next two episodes. I I feel a combination of uh, something different from Delvin and something the same. Um, I, I I do not think that Ravona is was aware of the timekeeper's true nature. Because I mean, like if you if you know the timekeepers are not real, why would you even allow a, a, a situation to happen where you could bring uh, Mobius or Loki or whoever in front of them and risk? finding out that they weren't real. Like, I feel like you, if you know that they're not real, you're going to probably avoid that. But uh, the main reason I feel like she doesn't know is because I feel like every level in the TVA, you only know as much as you should know. Like Mobius doesn't understand. There's think that knowledge that is above Mobius's pay grade that we're aware of. There's, and I believe that the same thing applies to Ravona, that there is knowledge above her pay grade that we are aware of that she is not. And I feel like the timekeeper's true nature is one of those things. Like she just was not aware that they were not real until that happened. And, and I think that's just, and this is the, where I agree with Delvin is that I feel like there is a, 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 a higher entity above Ravona and the timekeepers that is aware that the timekeepers weren't real because they created them. And that is aware of everything uh, below their 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 stature, and then this will be my opportunity to pat myself on the back for predicting that the timekeepers weren't real, <laughs> like two two three episodes ago. But yeah, I, I I don't think she was aware. Okay, well, I agree with half of what Mike said, a quarter of what Delvin said. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I I think that we're all on the same path here. I don't. I think that. Ravona may know some things, but is not in control in any way, you know? And if she knew things, she was being threatened or she's in a position not of not, she's not in a position of power. So the reason why she acted this way potentially could have been because of what happened with Sylvie. And she really wants to, in some way, ingratiate herself to the system. You know what I mean? They've kind of set that up. She failed at her job or whatever. Um, But I think it's going to be deeper than that. And I'm not so, I think she's going to know less than what Sylvie wants her to know. But then again, I think that they're setting her up a little bit like, uh, Thanos's daughters I feel like yes. there's a little bit of like they know but they don't know but they're caught for a reason that we can kind of empathize with um, and Marvel's good at doing that in the MCU too where people are just kind of caught in power either way I was when Mobius got uh, zapped what do they call it again um, uh Pur- purged was it something with a p something like that yeah when when that happened i was shocked um yeah when it happened to loki pruned pruned, pruned. that's it that's pruned it. um i was so upset and she looked so sad too and man did he look sad too didn't he uh man owen wilson is so awesome i had two questions for you guys and that was one of them oh like, go ahead. do you think mobius is alive or not He's, I think he's alive. Yeah, I think all the people who got pruned are alive. 
I think it doesn't kill you. I think it sends you somewhere different. I think, ooh, not to get to the after credits, because I think what they said oh, go ahead. holds true in terms of you're not dead yet, but if you don't do what you do, you will be. Yeah. So, oh, so you mean, do you think that they're all somehow sent to wherever this is, whatever war purgatory, place? In my opinion, that's what I think it is. I think it's a purgatory for variants, essentially. Interesting. And you have to find your way out of this purgatory. I'm just, I find that interesting. We're, we're getting into Lost again here. But, uh, <laughs> season six. But, uh, I, I, th- I say that because. Well, since we're going to get there, we're already there. Yeah. Yeah, why not? The after credit scene shows multiple variants of Loki all together looking at the Loki that we know. They show the Loki from the old school comic books. They show Kid Loki. Uh-huh. They show the Loki mixed with Thor. And they show, I want to say, Alligator. Oh, no, his, name is his name is he's boastful Loki. B- yeah. Blore. Blore. <laughs> yes, boastful, boastful Loki is yeah, is what he's credited as. Yeah. He's yeah. Blackula's cousin, Blore. Um, yes. yeah, it was, yeah, boastful. And oh, by the way, that kid Loki is going to just like um, uh, in Captain America and in WandaVision. In each one of these shows, they've put, what is it, a teen, is it Kid Avengers or something like that that they're going to do? Young Avengers. Young oh, Avengers, okay. yeah. So Kid Loki is supposed to, that guy, that kid is supposed to be in Young Avengers, I heard. Okay. See, and that's what I was thinking. I was thinking yeah. that when you get pruned, you go to a place where all your other variants are at, and you, and you have to find your way out of that place. Like, you can get out of this place. Is, I guess it's like a pocket dimension almost. I like that idea. See, you hit on it, that it's a pocket dimension. I like that idea that it's it too is outside the time stream in some way. Yes. Okay. That's interesting. And they kind of let them war. It's almost like a multiplayer game with all the variants. Yes. Like Hulk games almost. Yeah. I like that. Cool. Because I also, I didn't see it, but just before we started, I was reading and somebody said they caught like a burning Avengers tower in the background really oh, quickly that. of that. I didn't get a chance to look and see it either. Um, that's a great idea. I like that, Delvin. That's pretty cool. Like a Hunger Games thing. Yeah, that's interesting. Did you did you guys catch the? I'm assuming intent. I'm assuming it was meant to be intentional. But the uh, the mirroring of that shot of him seeing the Loki variants with the. Uh, shot in the first Avengers when he wakes yes. up and, and Hawkeye has the the bow and arrow on him and all the Avengers are looking at him. Yes. Like it's the same nice. kind of like same the same shot. framing and the same yeah. Cool. Just with fewer fewer people in it. And it's the same thing. It's like okay, Loki's wakes up and he sees uh people in kind of like a almost like a V formation kind of uh yeah. So I, I just wonder if you guys caught that. I I'm pretty sure that was probably intentional. It's a little bit too similar to not be yeah, I well, I did want to shout out um, Richard E. Grant, who is a great actor, and he is playing the classic Loki. He's the old guy, mm-hmm. and he is known little film nerd them here for a great movie. If you've ever seen it, if you're a fan of movies where people just talk, 
Um, the Before Sunrise and Before Sunset are probably the most commercially famous, but you know, the the pinnacle of all is the great My Dinner with Andre. If you haven't seen that film before, but it's a movie called With Nail and I from 1987. Bruce Robinson directed it. And uh, it's an English film. It's fantastic. And that kind of propelled uh, Richard E. Grant into a kind of critical stardom. So whenever he pops up in, every, in anything. Oh, did you hear that? Somebody's blasting some summer tunes riding by, baby. Um <laughs> Uh, I, I'm not. A, I haven't seen my dinner with Andre, but I'm aware yeah, of it. You got to see it. And it's it, man. interesting that it 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 popped up twice in the same week because Rick and Morty did a episode. Uh, it was called like Mort Dinner Rick Andre or something like. Oh, nice. They, they, they fuck with the title so yes. crazy to try to shoehorn in the names uh, of Rick and Morty into the titles, and that was one of the wildest ones that I think. I, actually, no, I don't think it was the same week. Now I take it back. I think that was. Uh, episode one of Rick and Morty. So that would have been aligned with episode two of Loki and not last week's. But awesome. yeah, it, still, My Dinner with Andre came up twice in a uh, seven-day time span for me. Well, check it out. That, of course, is a, f a great film. And Andre is Andre Gregory, who was a director. And he uh, was also a member of World of Video, my old workplace. And he used to come in all the time and he was a cool dude. Oh, wow. And that also the co-star Wallace Shawn, who also was a member of World of Video. That's cool. Oh, yeah. So some cool Wallace Shawn, well known as Rex from Toy Story. <laughs> and from uh, um, Princess Bride. Hmm? Right? Yep. For, a great dude. Character actor. Great movie. So go see With Nail and I or My Dinner with Andre people. But it was pretty cool that he was in this. And um, I don't know much about Boastful Loki or Kid Loki or these other kind of Lokis. But Croc I, Loki. Did you see that one? Croc Loki. <laughs> That's what I was trying to think of who it was. It was a crocodile version of Loki. That's what I said. <laughs> Croc Loki. I like that shit, man. That's like uh, in The Flash when that big that big shark is in it all the King time. Shark. King shark. King shark. It's so silly. I love it, though. It's funny. Um, yeah, so I guess we'll see. I think – I don't think that Mobius is dead. I don't think any of them are dead. I don't know, man. I, I think that this is coming – I'm still kind of – as we're closing up, I'm still kind of caught on this idea I think Mike, you mentioned, or dealt, what, uh, somebody said something about the blip on an early episode. And ever yeah, it, since it was me, I don't remember the context, but yeah. Okay, ever since then, I've been thinking to myself, they did such a great job with the blip stuff in uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, yes. and obviously that was a part of Wandavision too. And they didn't haven't really talked about it in this show, right? And if the TVA existed and it said it was right that they fixed the blip, I mean, well, that the, well, the blip, they fi you know, the blip is when they came back, right? Though they <laughs> fixed the snap with the blip, that was correct. That's the only time they really mentioned it. Mm -hmm. It seems like a rather large event that half the universe disappeared. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I think would say so. Yeah, I, I I think that that would be a little bit more than a slight nexus event so <laughs> right. um 
I think that it's it, it's tied to it in some way. And I keep on thinking about the time travel thing is like how long has the TVA really been around? Because when you're dealing with weird time shit, it could be five minutes and it could seem like a, an, an eternity, you know? So that's just – there's something there. We're definitely going to find out more. Do you guys have any any final stuff or anything I forgot to mention? Um, I had one more question for you guys. Cool. Um, did you make anything out of the fact that we don't see Hunter B-15's previous life? That they that Sylvie just showed it to her, but we didn't see it? And she goes, I looked so happy, and then that's it? I made note of that because I thought it was odd that we didn't see it. Is I that – yeah, I, I, you mentioned that in your initial reaction, and I thought that that was really cool. I think that there's a significance to that. It makes sense in the plot, though, for a contrivance of having her pop up and be the savior at the end, that we didn't spend a lot of time with her in this episode. But I do think it's of some significance. And I thought she, she said, I was happy. Is that what she said? Something something like that. Yeah, yes, I look happy or I was happy or something something to that effect. Okay, well, maybe I was tripping because I thought she said, I was a poppy. And I was like, why did she say I was a poppy? <laughs> like, what is she? What the hell's going on? She's like, I poppy. You know, like, what's okay, going man, on? Man, they give you all the good shit in Oregon. Man. I know. I'm telling you. Well, you know, that's the truth. But I'm, I'm glad I know what she said now. I was happy. Yeah, I do think that there's some sort of significance to it. And Mike, I think there's a significance too when we see what is it C20 sitting in that cafe that it looks rather rather modern, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. Owen Wilson is not interested in a you know horse and buggy; he's interested in a jet ski. So, is there a time period that these people were taken from? You know what I mean? I'm trying to. I would say probably I would wager in the five years between the steps. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to kind of figure. Like, are they hinting at things here? And maybe we will see that. And maybe, who knows, next episode starts out with how one of these people got pulled into the TVA. You know, Um, I think that would be interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, I think I think it is going to be something where they, they were pulled from some time in that five year span in between the blip and the snap, but, um, yeah, I, I haven't been able to wrap my head around it yet. I, I don't know, but I, I feel like that's, that's probably where we're going. All right. We shall see. Well, uh, any final words, gentlemen, anyone Bueller? You know what I like to see? I think it'd be funny just to bring Matt Damon back for the next episode. Hey, Loki, <laughs> <laughs> just kill him off. I think that'd be a, a good sight guy. Just have Matt Damon as a variant of Loki. And it's not the it's not the same one that was in Thor Ragnarok. He's just playing a variant of Loki and just have him get killed off. Yeah. Oh, I'd love that. I would love that. <laughs> I think that would be, awesome. be awesome. And you know what? That would be like a nod to the multiverse in the same way that Wanda kind of knew that that guy was her brother, even though it wasn't her brother, mm-hmm. and it was from a different universe. Like I like that. That it's just it, it as though there is a collective conscience that travels between you in whatever version you are anywhere. You know what I mean? And that's why he ends up playing Loki in the, in Ragnarok. Like, but I think that they got to do it. Like you said, like give him a huge heroes, like a big fat shot. And he's on a mountain. He's like, and you're like, Oh my God, it's Matt Damon. And then his head gets cut off. (laughs) 
Yes, exactly. You know, and then Loki's Loki's behind him, and he goes, oh, like his head's on, and then the body drops. I don't know. I'm (laughs) shooting the whole thing here, man. That'd be fun. That would be sweet. All right. That's a great idea because they got to get – okay. We heard about the Rolodex from Falcon Winter Soldier that they Marvel gives them and says, you can have any of these characters for your show. Now, you got to think that they chose more than just Seth, Lady Seth. You know what I'm saying? Like there's got to be some more – another cameo or something that goes on in these next couple – Yeah. Yeah. In these next couple episodes. So we'll see. But either way, hey, this was a great fun. Happy 4th of July, everyone. We're a little day late here so we could celebrate. Hope everyone was safe. Thankfully, not too many people lit fireworks around here because they could start a fire and I could be trapped in my house for a week again. But that didn't happen. Hopefully, you guys had a good time. And uh, that's all we got. So peace out, everybody. Subscribe, like. Subscribe to... Mike's and oh, I wanted to say something. If you're listening to this podcast, go subscribe to Delvin's podcast. Go subscribe to the One Mike YouTube channel because we got a lot of good listeners here on our Daily DVR, and I want to share the love. So if you came to hear from Daily DVR, please go subscribe to these guys. Give them a like. Give them a follow. They've Elvis they're putting out great is stuff. Fire, you guys. Yes, do it. Re-in. What up, no podcast and one mic are two of my favorite podcasts. Yeah, baby. Better than Joe Button. <laughs> yes. And also, uh, I want to say that my TV screen here is in honor of DJ Tim Hines. So love you, DJ. That's it. You get a shout out at the end of the episode. Peace, everybody. Peace. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.